Welcome to Video Games for Monkeys, episode 2. This is going to be a game design episode, so that means I'm just going to talk about a game that's been on my mind recently. You know, whether it's good or bad, I'm just going to talk about how it's good or how it's bad, uh, compare it to other games, whatnot. Always, if you always want to find the game design episodes, uh, it's always the title of the game and then design afterwards. And, you know, the news episodes have some kind of wacky title. So that's how you can differentiate the two. If you really don't like the de design episodes, you just like listening to the funny news, then, you know, you have that going for you. But if you don't like the wacky news because you're a serious person who never wants to laugh, you listen to the design episodes. Because I don't really crack jokes at all. I just kind of, these are kind of more serious episodes. So, let's talk about Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64. It's an RPG, but it's kind of not an RPG at the same time. It's one of those interesting cases because it's, it's just very different. It breaks the mold. It, uh, it kind of casts away the fundamentals of traditional RPGs. It's still a turn-based RPG like most, but the way it approaches how the actual combat works is different. The way leveling up and how stats function is uh, just done in a much better way than traditional RPGs. A lot of people enjoy story in RPGs, but Paper Mario kind of takes, you know, the story kind of takes a backseat, which is a good thing. That'll be the first thing we discuss, which is the story. Story for Paper Mario is very boring. Bowser steals the star rod from the star people and then he kills Mario, but Mario can't die, so Mario then sets out to recover the seven star spirits so he can kill Bowser. And that's really the overarching story, which is really boring. I mean, I'm not gonna defend it at all. You know what's good about this? There's like, no bullshit. Because in a lot of RPGs, when it is trying to have like a pretty serious and involved story, there's a lot of bullshit that makes no sense. Just like a lot of the Final Fantasies, like as much as I love Final Fantasy like five, it's like my favorite Final Fantasy. The story is kind of is kind of shitty. It takes itself a little too seriously at times. There are some good moments, but I'd say for the most part, it's all just not not great. Which you know, it's fine. Because that game has good gameplay. So, you know, it's pretty fun to just play that game. But Paper Mario really takes it to the next level. It really amps it up. But we're, we're just focused on the story real quick. Because I still gotta knock out some points. It, wh where the story shines, really, for me, is in the individual chapters. So, each chapter kind of has its own little mini-story. I guess you could kind of treat it like an anime arc or something, but... Instead of an anime arc, you know, anime arcs are typically, like, an entire season long. Or, like, half a season. Like, they're, like, 12 to 50 episodes, depending on, you know, what we're talking about here. Which is just nuts. But, you know, in an individual chapter, they might take you two to four hours to complete, depending on how briskly you go through them. And, you know, that's, that's dope. Yeah, however briskly you go through that shit, which is nice. 
the stories are not like revolutionary or anything. It's not really they're not really like laying out morals or anything. You know, like you know, don't uh, don't summon the desert at midnight, like in chapter two. Like, don't do that. It doesn't have anything crazy. Like, there's no like crazy morals, but it's just plain fun. Like, it's fun. In chapter one, the Koopa Bros are the main villains, and they're really, really funny. Going through their fortress is, like, a lot of fun. It's a really fun dungeon. You know, chapter two, you got the whole desert uh, outpost, and going through the desert, I find that to be very enjoyable. And, you know, the, the main villain of chapter two is hilarious as well. Like, a lot, of the, you know, a lot of the characters are just really funny. In fact, even Bowser himself, I mean, Bowser... In, in the more recent iterations of Paper Mario, he's kind of just like the funny guy, you know, that you, you know, the game kind of falls back on Bowser to be the funny man. Like in Super Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, uh, I think in, in like the new one, Origami King. I haven't touched that game because I've heard it's terrible, but it's just, it's just that like Bowser literally talks like he's from Delaware County in uh, Pennsylvania. Like he, he just goes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, he is just so, he just has the most informal way of, of talking, like even more informal than like a hood gangster would. Just the way he talks is just so funny to me in, in the original Paper Mario. It's just like the entire first cutscene where you get to see him, just the way, if you really look at how he's talking, it's just, it doesn't really fit this big, this big ass turtle who's like super evil. It's just, just goofy. But it, yeah, you know, that's where the story is is strong. Is the writing is is very funny, and it's just plain fun. There's nothing like crazy. You're not gonna have an existential crisis or anything. You're not learning how to like be a better person. It's just, it's just plain fun, and I think that's that's good because. The less involved a story is in a video game, typically, it doesn't matter if it's RPG or not, the better. Because it means you get to focus more on gameplay elements, which is definitely way more important than, you know, worrying about a, a really good story. So, let's talk about the gameplay now. The gameplay is, you know, in terms of the overworld, so typically in, in an old-fashioned RPG like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest... The overworld is mostly reserved to walking. Sometimes you get access to a boat, an airship, what have you, so you can get access to new areas. But, you know, they're not really, uh, that's not really involved. You know, there's nothing crazy going on there with how you, like, get across the overworld. It's just like, oh, well, now I can get to this area I didn't have access to before. You know, it's not, like, anything beyond that. And, you know, going, traversing through dungeons and stuff, you just kind of walk around. There's usually not really anything t too exciting happening in the dungeon. Sometimes there's traps, like you fall through the floor, or you hit a wrong switch, you fall through the floor, you hit a switch, a waterfall takes you down the room, uh, you hit a switch, an enemy spawns, you open a chest, it's a mimic. You know, it's typical stuff, doesn't really go beyond that. But, you know, Paper Mario has a new depth to it, where there's actually, like, micro-platforming. I wouldn't really call it platforming. It's more like micro-platforming. Like, uh, there's the bullet bills. You can jump over the bullet bills or, like, strafe to dodge them. Uh, you know, there's, like, fire things that spin 
Actually, I'm thinking of Thousand Year Door has fire things that spin. I don't know if 64 has them. I think it does. I'm just not remembering right now. The point is, is that there are obstacles that would do damage to you on the overworld, which is interesting. And then you have the partners in the game. So, you know, just like you have party members in a JRPG, you have partners, which is just one additional party member that you have at a time in battle and following you around in the overworld. You can swap between partners. You'll have like, I think you get eight total in the game, but you can swap between them, but you only have, you can only have one out at one time and only one in battle. And what, you know, what makes the partners really shine as opposed to like party members from like an RPG is like, the, you know, party members from an RPG, there's like a lot of overlap between, you know, each, each party member, like, they all attack, they all use magic, maybe sometimes they learn different kinds of magic, but sometimes there's a lot of overlap, and it can really take, you know, they're not as unique as you would want them to be, I, I suppose. Which is why I like Final Fantasy V a lot, because you really, you really try to make each person in your party unique, but I'll talk about that game another day. But in Paper Mario, it's it's the partners are all extremely different from each other. It's it's honestly so cool. They all help you traverse the overworld in in like puzzles. So the overworld's kind of set out as a very large puzzle. Getting from one area to the next is like a big puzzle. So for example, uh, you need to hit a switch across this gap, but Mario could never jump the gap. So you take out Cooper and you can stomp on his shell and shoot him across the gap and he can hit the switch and that activates the switch and spawns a bridge for Mario to cross and then you have things where there's spike pits that Mario could never traverse so you get on a Lakitu so you can go over them there are walls that are cracked that uh, you know you couldn't break with your hammer but you can use Bombette to blow them up there are parts in the game where um, you know those are all like the puzzle solving stuff but the cool, like, you know, one of the cool things is, say with Bombette, even though she can blow up the wall, you can actually initiate a battle with Bombette by blowing up an enemy to get a first strike on them, and that can, that can just delete an enemy before the battle even starts, which is really cool. Also, you can do the same with Cooper. The, the shell hits the enemy. The battle starts with Cooper hitting them with his shell. And then there are uh, some really cool utility things that are, you know, largely story-based. So with Bao, who is, or Bo, Bo or Bao, or however you want to pronounce it. I think Bo is correct, because Boo, Bo, Bao, Boo, Boo, I don't know. It's the girl Boo partner, <laughs> and she can make Mario go invisible. So you stay stationary and you're invisible. Enemies can't see you anymore. So if you want to, like, avoid an enemy battle, you can go invisible real quick. They'll be confused and then just kind of walk away. You know, Metal Gear Solid style. It's pretty it's pretty sick. Then you have... Uh, but that's really... the You know, but Bo's kind of the only one who really has anything like that. And, you know, in the story, there's, like, you know, a NPC that's looking for you and you have to go invisible so they don't see you, which is, like, really cool. The partners in this game really make walking around a lot of fun because, you know, in, in a traditional RPG, it could just be, I get bored eventually just walking around, just like, I just, you know, 
I like if I'm playing on an emulator, like I literally speed up how fast I walk, but then you know random encounters happen, and you know it's just like it sucks to get into random encounters constantly. And what's really cool about Paper Mario is that you can see every enemy on the overworld, and if you don't want to fight anything, you can just not get into a battle, just dodge them. I mean, the enemy's gonna try to attack you to get a battle started, but you know you can use you know just like jump. Use your spin move to outspeed them, and, and or use or use bow to go invisible. So there are ways to prevent going into battles if you really don't want to go into a battle. So it's like really, it's really neat, and it just you know it just makes the whole overworld experience. You know that's like a half of the game. It's just the overworld, interacting and solving puzzles, using your partners to get from point A to point B. It's a lot of fun. And you're swapping partners a lot, which, you know, I like because it's not like you just pick one partner and you just kind of stick with them. I mean, you could do that, but, like, it, it is kind of fun to just swap between partners a lot and just go through all the motions, go through all the levels, swapping constantly between characters to not only solve puzzles but also get in the battles with. Um, there are some partners that are better in some areas than others, which is, you know, that's good design because... You know, there are enemies that are flying and have spikes on their heads, so, like, you need to use your partner to attack them. Or Mario has to have some kind of badge equipped, which I'll, I'll get into that soon. But I really just want to talk about, you know, traversing the overworld, because it is a lot of fun. You know, it's fun to just explore and find new things and just solve the puzzles and dungeons and stuff. It's just, it's just really well done. It's just such a, it's so fun. The combat in Paper Mario is a lot different than in any other RPG I've ever played. Even the Mario and Luigi games don't even come close to how Paper Mario functions. So there's a lot of parts to the combat, so this is probably going to be pretty long. So the first thing is the numbers. So in Final Fantasy, numbers in that game are very, they get very big. So they kind of start off kind of small, like you're doing like 50-ish damage to start if you attack. Which, you know, that's, like, kind of a lot. But towards the end of the game, you know, you're... You got characters that can do 9,999 damage, you know? It's, like, crazy. The fact that they can do that much damage is kind of stupid. But in Paper Mario, the, the numbers are so low, it's very easy to process what, what things do. Because, you know, there are a lot of stats that a character can have in Final Fantasy, and a lot of them just don't, you know, you don't even know what they do, or, like, how they work. It's like, yeah, you know, my attack stat makes my physical attacks stronger, and, like, my intelligence stat makes my special attacks, like, you know, like, my magic stronger. But, like, how do those actually, like, work? You know what I mean? Like, what is the math? Because... Say you cast fire on an enemy, and it does 243 damage. Now, you would think, okay, if I cast fire again on the same enemy, it's going to do 243 damage. But actually, it will do, you know, depending on the Final Fantasy game, most Final Fantasy games, it'll actually do a different number. It'll, it'll be like 246. It'll be like a, a digit off. And it's really weird, and when I look into it, there is so much, like, the formula to calculate damage is just so complicated. And, like, there's also, like, a dice roll in there. Like, it, 
there's like a damage range that it randomly selects from. It's like really strange how that even works. Like some, not every Final Fantasy game has this, but some of them do. Where like there's like random like damage ranges on things. Like especially that it's that happens a lot with magic. Like with magic that happens a lot. With physical attacks, it's not as much. And all, but you know there's also like defense stats on like enemies, but like you don't know how like. Almost everything, like, it's just you don't understand how it exactly works. Unless you're, like, a stupid ass. Unless you're just, like, some f fucking mastermind who who's just, like, a rocket scientist. Uh, you have, like, eight degrees in, like, math and computers and shit. And you've built a robot that cures cancer. Like, that's how you understand how to, how to calculate damage in Final Fantasy with a human brain. But in Paper Mario, it's just a lot simpler. To start off, you do one damage with Mario. And then once the prologue's over, you get something called the Lucky Star, which that's when all of the timed jumps and you know the hammer commands and everything comes into play. And now with the hammer you're doing two damage, and you know with jumps you're doing two stomps, so you hit the A button to do another jump the moment you hit them. And you know, that's a huge upgrade, because before, say you got into a battle with a Goomba, Goombas have 2 HP, Mario jumps on him, you do 1 damage. Your partner, Goombario, jumps on him, you do 1 damage, so that kills the Goomba. But now, since you get the Lucky Star, and say there's 2 Goombas, you can actually finish the fight on your, on your first turn. You jump, and then jump again to, you know, knock him out. And then with Goombario, you do the same thing. And, you know, that's a huge difference. To be able to do that one extra point of damage, now you're finishing up battles even quicker. You know, that, that is a considerable, noticeable upgrade from what you had previously. Because in other RPGs, like in Final Fantasy, like you'll level up and you're doing like, I don't know, like 10 more damage now. Which, you know, that's you notice it, but you don't feel that stronger. Because, say a goblin has... 100 HP, right? And you were swinging for 50 before, and, you know, it takes two attacks to kill the goblin, because you do 50, then 50. And, alright, you level up, now you're doing 60 damage. Well, it still takes two hits to kill the goblin. So it's like, you don't feel that much stronger. So, you know, like, you get where I'm, you gotta understand where I'm coming from with this. I hope. You listening right now. You gotta understand that there's a huge difference between 50 plus 10 equals 60, but I'm still two-shotting things, as opposed to 1 plus 1, now I'm, I'm killing things in one hit. It's a big difference. And you really feel a lot stronger, and you really understand what's going on. Because now the defense stat, this is where you differentiate jumps and hammers. There's two, there's two different things that uh, differentiate jumps and hammers. So the first thing is defense. So... As I mentioned, jumping is like a is a two-hit attack. So say your total damage output is two with the jump. Well it gets it's one damage applied two times. So if there's an enemy that has one defense, so say like uh the clef. The clefs, I think that's their name. They're like the rock guys. So the rock dude, he actually has two defense, but for the sake of what I'm gonna talk about, let's just say he has one. So if you try jumping on him. You do no damage, both hits, 
because he has one defense. So one minus one, that's zero. You're doing no damage. Now let's say you use the hammer. The hammer now does two damage and one hit. So you use the hammer to hit the clef, and that does one damage to him. And that's like a huge difference. And there's a lot of, you know, that's what makes the defense stat really interesting in Paper Mario because of instances like that where it's more optimal to use the hammer in this situation because I wouldn't be able to do damage to him with a jump. The hammer, you can only actually attack whatever is directly in front of you. You can't just walk up to any enemy and use the hammer. And the reason this is a big deal is say that the clef is behind a Goomba. So you can't, you have to kill the Goomba before you can actually attack the clef with a hammer. It's not like you can just go straight in with jumps on the clef, you do no damage to him. So you have to clear out the Goomba in front of you before you can go in with the hammer to kill the clef. Now what's cool is you can actually swap who goes first in a turn, either Mario or your partner. So you could use your partner to kill the Goomba, then use Mario to hit the clef with the hammer. And I mean, this sounds really stupid, but it's actually all these little things add up and it feels good to fully understand what's happening in, in an RPG or just any game in, in general, it's really good to understand exactly what's happening. And, you know, you clearly see what the numbers are doing. And the second thing is the game is very gimmicky. You know, when it comes to how the difference between boots and hammers work, is the game is really gimmicky, and that's a good thing. Because there are enemies that are flying, so you have to jump on them to get them down from the air or to just kill them while they're airborne. And then say there's enemies that have spikes on top of their heads, so you have to hit them with a hammer. Now there are some enemies that are flying and have a spike on their head, so how do you deal with that? Well, you have partners that can attack them. So, you know, say Bo can go slap the enemy in the air because she can fly. Or you have badges, which you can equip Mario with uh, a throwing hammer, so he throws a hammer at an airborne enemy, as opposed to just, you know, trying to hit him on the ground. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot, you know, again, like I was saying, it might not sound like much, but it really makes the game interactive. It, it prompts the player to think about what's actually happening in the game, and it makes it a lot more enjoyable to play. So, it's, it's, really important to note all these things because if you think about it RPGs don't really do this at all in fact almost no traditional JRPGs even ones being developed today present day don't do stuff like this they don't try to have these really gimmicky things going on when that I think that's what makes you know games like Pokemon really shine uh, that's what makes Paper Mario really shine, even Mario and Luigi really shine as RPGs. Undertale is a huge one. Like, that's what makes the games so fun, is they're so gimmicky, and RPGs are a great environment to really do that, where you can kind of introduce these very little mechanics that become these bigger things over time. Like, Paper Mario gets so intense with how you approach enemies, and especially the, the late game, that it's so fun, like you're swapping between partners a lot to deal with a lot of different enemies that you're seeing often. You're switching badges on Mario to be able to deal with these situations as well. And it's just really cool. 
Now, let's talk. Now, that kind of really covers everything with combat. I don't think there's really much more I could really go into other than saying just, like, you know, the timed attacks and, like, basically to perform attacks and everything is, you know, you're doing something. It's what makes it more fun than just, you know, uh, cast this, cast that, like, just telling your characters what to do. It's a lot more fun, Paper Mario, to, like, you're really pulling back strength to use the hammer. You're really timing the stomps to get that damage in. You know, you're, you're charging, you know, you're really timing the shell toss releases with Cooper. You're slapping the joystick back and forth with Bo to get in as many slaps as possible. It's just a lot of fun things like that. Now, let's talk about leveling up and, like, the badge system. So... Leveling up is, you know, just like any traditional RPG. You defeat enemies, you get experience points. Now, when you level up, you know, in like a traditional RPG, you just level up and you see your stats increase. And you might learn like a new technique or something. And that's as far as it really goes. In Paper Mario, it's a very different approach. It's a much better approach. Which is, you get to choose to either increase your HP... Which is your hit points, so if your hit points get reduced to zero, you get a game over. You get to increase your FP, which is your magic points, essentially. You use them to use special moves that you get access to with uh, Mario's badges. And you also can use FP to use your partner's special moves, so like Bombette's uh, Big Bomb Blast. You can, you know, you have to spend like a certain amount of FP to be able to use that. But, you know, everyone has basic attacks that cost nothing, which is cool. Now, the last one is you... This is the best one. This is, like, one of the best mechanics in Paper Mario or in just any RPG ever, and that's the badge points. You can increase how many badge points you have. So let's talk about badges and what badges are. So badges are these items that you find that you equip on Mario. They're kind of like your armor, your weapons that you put on Mario. Now, weapons in traditional RPGs, they just got, like, flat stat boosts. Uh, a lot of times, don't really have, like, a passive or anything, especially in older RPGs. They don't really have passives that do anything. They're just... It's just a better sword, so you just equip the better sword. It's a better piece of armor. You equip the better piece of armor. There isn't really anything crazy about it. But in Paper Mario, the badges really are just crazy unique and dynamic from each other. There isn't a single badge that's alike from one of the other. You know, there aren't a lot of badges that are, you know, this badge is just better than this old badge. It's just, they're all different and unique and do all kinds of stuff. For example, you have the Power Smash badge, which... Those are your kind of badges that give you access to special attacks. So the power smash is just like a regular hammer attack, but it does more damage and it costs FP. Then you have the power bounce, which is uh, a special attack for the jump, which you can keep pressing A just as you stomp on the enemy to get additional bounces to get additional damage off. Then you have the other badges, which have passive effects or affect things that you already do so for example there's the better dodge badge which is when you like block an attack you reduce the amount of damage you take by more 
buy more. Yeah, that sounds terrific. It reduces it by one more. So, like, when you block an attack, it reduces the damage it does by one. But with the better block badge, it reduces it by two. And that's a big difference. Then you have badges where there's a... Uh, there's a badge called Close Call, where if you have five or less HP, uh, sometimes attacks will miss you completely. So it's like a chance-based thing. And then you have uh, Danger Mario badges, which if you have five or less HP, Mario does uh, X amount more damage. So if you want to have like low HP with Mario and just be like a glass cannon, do like a kind of a glass cannon thing, you can do that and it's really cool. Um, and then you have badges that are literally just like leveling up your HP or leveling up your FP. Um, things that, you know, they're, they didn't really do this in the original Paper Mario, but in Thousand Year Door there are badges that are only for your partners, which is cool. So yeah, all those things are really interesting. Um, yeah, so those, you know, the badges are really cool. You can really craft... A unique gameplay style by you know the kinds of different badges that you use for uh, different playthroughs and whatnot and how you level up Mario so typically when you're new to the game you kind of level up your HP and FP a little more than your badge points because you want to have more HP so you can go through areas longer without using recovery items and you know using recovery items for your FP but you know a more experienced player really favors the badge points because it allows you to do all kinds of different things it makes mario a very versatile character and i just really gotta appreciate the badge system from paper mario just as a just from a game design perspective it's a really important system to look at because it really helps bring creativity to the table because the problem with just like equipping armor or whatever in traditional rpgs is a lot of the armor doesn't do anything it's just flat stats for the most part. Uh, there isn't really any crazy passives going on. And if they do, either they're so non-impactful that you don't you like you don't even notice that they're doing anything, or they're so overpowered that like it's just like it's just overwhelming. And I think Paper Mario finds a really good uh, Paper Mario finds a really good balance with that. Paper Mario finds a really good balance with that, with, you know, making it so that you don't, you're not almighty powerful Mario. The Danger Mario stuff, you can kind of get to that level, but, you know, you have to, like, be able to dodge attacks, too. Like, you can't just be just steamrolling everything with that, with little to no effort. You have to be good at dodging attacks, or, you know, plan around taking set amount of damage, because you can't in the late game, even though you block attacks, you're still taking damage. You're just reducing the damage you're taking. Like, in the early game, you can almost completely negate all damage that you're going to take from, like, every enemy. Uh, but in the late in the late game, that's not... In the late game, that's really not something that happens. So, there's still a balance to everything. While in Final Fantasy and, like, other old RPGs, like, especially Dragon Quest. Like, Dragon Quest, it's just, like, you're... There are only a few, like, pieces of equipment that are have, like, passives. Otherwise, you're just equipping the strongest shit. And, you know, that's... 
not what you want your game to be like if you make a game or you play a game. You want your game to have really interesting items that do cool things. So yeah, the badge system just blows every other armor, magic, whatever system, equipable, customizable system out of the water. I mean, I even love Dark Souls, like talking about modern RPGs that are, you know, like off RPGs, not exactly traditional RPGs. Like even Dark Souls, like the armor you equip, like it's just like stats and like weight load. There isn't really anything crazy happening with those. You know, some of them do cool things, like you have the thorn armor, where like if you roll you can do damage while you're rolling at someone. There's like, I forget, oh there's the bug that you put on your head that shines a light uh, in dark areas, you know, stuff like that, it's cool. But nothing, uh, nothing really crazy off the walls. A lot of that stuff's reserved for rings, so like the ring system is kind of takes care of that. In Paper Mario, I think the badge system is just like the best. It's just. It's just such a good system, and the fact that, like, ever since, like, Super Paper Mario, like, they're just, it's just basically been confirmed they'll never go back to a badge system ever again. It's just really upsetting. And, yeah, that's really all I have to say about Paper Mario. It's just, it's really good at just conveying how everything works. Like, it's just, it's a very clear-cut RPG like you would never have to look at a guide to play it You'd never have to like research anything or do a lot of reading. It's just everything kind of happens naturally and It's just it just flows really nice uh, one of the things about Paper Mario for the original 64 that I like more than thousand year door is the pacing uh, The pacing in thousand year door can is kind of shit uh, there are a lot of just moments in the game where, like, I just don't want to play it. Like, like chap, you know, the prologue and chapter one are just phenomenal. Just, you're literally just going balls to the walls, just action. It's just nonstop fun. Then you hit chapter two. It's really slow. It's really sluggish. There's a lot of random backtracking. Uh, the dun, the main dungeon is kind of annoying. Uh, then you, you know. Like, chapter 3 is really great, but it's kind of just long as fuck. It's just, it's a little too long. I think chapter 4 is handled pretty well. And a lot of people complain about chapter 4. But it is handled well, so... I... But then, you know, there's just very slow parts in other chapters. It, it can just get... Thousand Year Door can just be sluggish. But 64 has a really good pace almost the entire time you're playing. Which I think is what makes it so enjoyable for me personally. And that's why I recommend, you know, if you're going to play a Paper Mario game, I really recommend Paper Mario for the 64 over Thousand Year Door first. Thousand Year Door is still worth playing, obviously. It's still, like, one of the best games ever made. But, you know, it has its problems. And that's why I recommend, you know, playing 64, then playing Thousand Year Door. You can kind of see where I, what I'm talking about. Uh, from, you know, this podcast. But, yeah, I mean... Paper Mario, just absolutely phenomenal game. Um, does a lot of things right. Really breaks the mold in RPGs. And I, I really enjoy it for that reason. And I would recommend anybody to give it a shot. Uh, you know, you, 64 or the Wii Virtual Console, your options for playing it. 
uh, or if you have a <laughs> a copy of the game and you legally have a ROM of it on your computer, you can use an emulator to play it legally. So that's pretty neat. So yeah, that's uh, that's all I really have to say. Uh, this episode was not recorded while I'm driving. I'm actually just sitting in my car. It's the weekend. I think for my design episodes, I might try to just do it in the car more often. But my news segments and my Patreon exclusive stuff probably will be while I'm driving because that's really the only time I can find to do those. But otherwise, just doing it in the car, uh, it's stationary for the design episodes, I think is something I can find time for. Uh, this is like my third or fourth attempt doing this. This one actually, this attempt turned out being very different. I've, you know, kind of finally figured out how to make the sound sound good and edit things in Audacity to be, you know, sound normal and everything. But yeah, if you like this kind of episode, a lot of the Patreon-exclusive episodes are more like this. Uh, they're less about talking about specific games, but more, more about talking about overall general concepts. So... For example, the first Patreon exclusive that I'm working on is stories and RPGs, it, just in general. So I talk about, you know, what makes, you know, when it's okay to have a good, strong story. Um, I mean, it's, it's based, you know, that sounds stupid, the way, it, when it's good to have a good story. It's always good to have a good story, but also it's, it's very important to know when the story is encroaching on the gameplay. So... It's like, I just talk about, like, the balance of story and gameplay in RPGs and, like, what games, how games that I like and don't like, uh, you know, do it. So if you are interested in that, you know, subscribe to the Patreon. It's $5 a month. Uh, I release one to two Patreon-exclusive episodes a week. A week. And the, I'm talking, these are 35-minute to hour episodes. So you're getting a lot of value for your money. That's, you know, one to, that's, it's like four to eight additional episodes a month, man. That's like, you know, that's like four plus hours worth of content, which is dope. So think about subscribing. But if you like this episode, you know, share it with your friends and whatnot. And yeah, uh, this is Video Games from Monkey and thank you for listening. <laughs>